the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Welcome to the Tim DeMoss Show podcast. You can hear the program each weekday afternoon from 4 till 5 on AM 560 WFIL and WFIL.com. AM 560 WFIL, it's the Tim DeMoss Show. And today, it's two for the price of none. (laughs) Herb Lust, the second and the third, joining us in studio. Yeah, yeah. You guys are the first... Uh, with our new, do you like our hockey plexiglass on? <laughs> I, oh, love uh, yeah, yeah, I love it. Yeah, I love it. Looks like you're it. on TV right now. Really? Yeah. 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 Is, is this funny? I Get a like double field in. Someone's going to check me into the boards or something. <laughs> but no, we're so glad to ha- glad to have you here. Folks will recognize you from a lot of different things. Of course, more recently we have Herb the Third on Saturdays with the Legacy Project, right? Two thirty. Yeah. But for a lot of years, man, yeah. you're you're right. My my, my lab <laughs> was on for like like sixteen years on uh, nine ninety, right? Oh, uh, yeah. Hope for the city was the project. Was the name oh, of the yeah. right? That's correct. Yeah. It's, just, it's good to be back. And uh, of course, you know, I haven't gone anywhere. I'm still pastoring the Greater Exodus Baptist Church on Broad Street, yes, North Philadelphia. Actually, it's more Center City, Philadelphia. It's seven hundred North Broad Street, and we're very much alive. Church is growing, and we're excited. Amen. Welcome, welcome to the station. Yeah, glad to have you guys here. You were doing some taping for Saturday's broadcast, and thought we'd pull you in here. So yeah, that's great. Thanks yeah. for that, Tim. Appreciate it. Absolutely. Yeah. Uh, now, if there's one thing I've learned in the t- couple years I've been doing this show, particularly, which is more of an interview show, when I have a pastor on the program, I don't have to say a whole lot. <laughs> <laughs> I can just kind of toss a question out, like a one-liner, and then the space gets filled. Yeah. And now I have two pastors. <laughs> so I'm going to be in the other room getting coffee. You guys can just talk. <laughs> no, and I, but I really want, I actually want that because you have so much to share. For starters, can we maybe, uh, Herb the second, if we can just share a little bit about how God got a hold of you. And the testimony is so important to know why you wouldn't be here without it, obviously, well, right? Well, you know, it's, um, basically I was converted in my father's church. Uh, I was 15 years old. He was preaching, and he was preaching about hell. And um, hmm. I know most people believe that people are drawn by the love of God, and I'm, I certainly was. Uh, but the alternative got my attention. Yes. And so when my father talked about what hell looked like, he described it. It was the motivating factor that got me out of that seat and to give my life to the Lord Jesus Christ. And, of course, <laughs> I'm so glad I did, but uh, he baptized me, and the rest is is, is history. Yeah. But my dad's uh, preaching, and uh, his forceful preaching, his not watering down the gospel preaching, was the preaching that preached me into the kingdom. And I always tell people that when you read the gospels, uh, you never see Jesus watering down his message to get a crowd. Unfortunately, that's what people are doing today. But it's the wrong thing to do. Mm. People will be attracted to truth. The one element in our country, the, the one element in this world that people are thirsting for more than anything else is the truth. And if you give them the truth, 
you can grow your church. Herb Lusk II, Senior Pastor at Greater Exodus Baptist Church in Philadelphia, along with Herb Lusk III, our guests in studio today. You were on back in February. Mm-hmm. Uh, how do I, what do I call you? Do you call you HL3? Do I call you 3 and 2? <laughs> well, here's one way. H3 or Reverend Trey. That's the one they call me. Okay. Uh, so, yeah. But what about your dad? How am I going to How am I going to abbreviate the, the references here? <laughs> H, H, H2? Do I... H- yeah, H two, H two, H two, and H three. It feels a little reverent, though. I feel like I shouldn't be saying something different. But anyway, when hey, you, listen, my, I have a football <laughs> background, so you can just call me Herb. That's true. You that, know, most <laughs> people in the, that are listening to me right now know me as the former Philadelphia Eagle yeah. football player, Herb Lust. So that's right. When I'm walking down the street, they're not saying Doctor Lust. When I have a doctor, <laughs> have three doctor degrees, but nobody says, "Hey, Doctor Lust." <laughs> They say, hey, her. That's funny. That's very funny. Well, that's great. Well, so when when uh, Herb the Third was on mm-hmm. back in February when the program started, yeah. you shared a little bit about what it was like growing up in your father's home. Yeah. Uh, but just remind me what that was like a little bit but for those who did, who missed that broadcast. Yeah, remind me too, bro. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't say anything crazy, Dad. What, what did he say? <laughs> what did he say? Podcast is on our homepage, <laughs> WFIL.com, February 1. Look it up. Right about there. So. No. Um, what I got into was I talked about, you know, growing up in church, but also kind of um, seeing the other side of the world. And I, I've always told people that I'm a product of exposure. Not only did, you know, is my father a pastor, um, but he's, you know, in the community. He's, you know, helping things for in all different uh, forms. So um, I was able to see different things, um, which was very helpful for me. How about for you, Herb the Second, growing up with your dad? Because I'm curious how much went through you to your son. <laughs> well, I <laughs> tell you, a lot of it. Yeah, which is good. I mean, uh, growing up with my father was 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 uh, was one of the best things that could have ever happened to a son. <laughs> I, I saw my dad. My dad was a community leader. He was obviously a pastor. Yeah, uh, and so he was a community leader, and I watched him build an organization from the ground called Operation Shoestrings, where he summer programs for children. Uh, after school care, and then one of the largest early childhood development centers uh, in the Northern California. Okay. So I had a chance to see that and work in that ministry. Mm-hmm. And so when 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 people see my ministry now, the charter school, People for People Charter School that I founded with yes. 650 kids in it, early childhood and development center that we have with 160 kids. Our, Project Dad program where we're fighting recidivism in the, in the city of Philadelphia when cats are coming out of prison. We're reconnecting them to their children. Our hopes in where we've saved over 1,000 babies yeah. who would have been aborted. When people see that work, what they're yeah. really looking at is the foundation of what my father gave me years ago when I was just watching. <laughs> it, 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 sometimes you don't have to say much. Yeah. And sometimes the best sermon that you can give your kid is to emulate the principles of Jesus Christ before them. And my father did very little talking to me, but I knew clearly what he expected of me. <laughs> I think I can second that. Yeah, I, I, I was the, I was the same way. I mean, I watched from the ground up, 
I mean, I've, I've probably served in what dad, every, almost every ministry that you've had. I've been in, in the credit sweeping the, the, the front porch. And, and you know what? That was actually <laughs> my first job for my father. It was not preaching. It was not in the boardroom. It wasn't wearing a suit. Um, when I, he, I said, dad, I, I want to work for you. He said, okay, Take sure. Up. No problem. Here's so a, I showed up. Here's a broom. Yeah. I, I showed up we'll in a suit on. on and he says, he says, son, you're, you're overdressed. <laughs> I said, no, I I said, no, this is what people wear. This is, he said, no. He said, you got sweatpants in your car? I said, yeah. He said, you got shorts or a t-shirt and sneakers? I said, yeah, my ball stuff. He said, put that on. He said, here's what I want you to do. I want you to go around the perimeter of, of our property. I want you to pick up all the trash. And then once you're done doing that, I want you to go inside the steps of the church, and I want you to wipe down the steps. Then I want you to go in the sanctuary and vacuum. I said, wait a minute, Dad. This isn't what I signed up for. He said, son, you can never be able to lead people if you don't know where everybody has been. And so it taught me an appreciation for the ministry rather than just starting way up here and you know, kind of working and understanding everything that everybody's had to do. Amen. Love yeah. that. Love that. Herb lost the second. I and still third. keep sweatpants do in you? my car, by the way, that's just good. in case. No. I, you, well, I think that's that's very wise. It sounds like you never know when Dad's going to pull one of those on you. Hey, by the way, I know you're still doing. You got that radio show. But yeah. Get the sweatpants on. Herb lost the second, senior pastor at Greater Exodus Baptist Church in Philadelphia, and his son Herb lost the third. The host of Legacy Project, Saturdays at 2.30 on WFIL in studio. Quick break, back with more in a moment on WFIL. You're listening to a podcast of The Tim DeMoss Show. Heard weekday afternoons 4 till 5 on AM 560 WFIL and at WFIL.com. AM 560 WFIL.com and on the app, listen to the Tim DeMoss Show in studio. Herb Lust the second, senior pastor of Greater Exodus Baptist Church in Philadelphia, and Herb Lust the third, who hosts the Legacy Project Saturdays at 2 30 on WFIL. Sharon, in a nutshell, what your heart for that program, why you wanted to, to have that program. Well, going. the reason why I, I wanted to do it is I wanted to kind of, you know, it's a play on words, right? Typically, somebody thinks legacy, they think it's already been built. Um, but yeah. the reason why I think of and really the secret is really a legacy project is me is that my legacy is being developed. What it is being developed is because it's through different lenses. And so you what you heard my father say just a few mom- moments ago yeah. of growing up and seeing Operation Sue Stings and now me growing up seeing people for people. Right. Greater Exodus and then Bethel. Right. You, you're combining those visions you're you know i'm a product of both of them so sharing that um your legacy is continuously being built some people just want to name it and i want to show people that it should be developed over time that you should let god unveil it for you that's great and and each week just for folks who haven't had a chance to listen or hear there do you have a specific like topic each week you try or an angle you want to yeah, go through? Yeah, I mean, most recently, you know, for June, we, you know, we've been doing, we've named it Father's Month, and then May it was Mother's Month, so we did that. But each week, I kind of have a subject. I deal with something. Okay. Um, I deal within the spiritual perspective, but then I also like to give practical points to carry out those spiritual objectives. A lot of people have that. <laughs> I guess the um, seminary. I hear my professor, Dr. Crowdhammer, saying, "Don't be a." 
tadpole, a small body and a big head. So, <laughs> you know, we got a lot of, you know, people who have the knowledge, but they don't know how to walk it out. And that's what, you know, Christ expects us to do. It's funny you say that uh, your dad knows my brother Steve very well and uh, had actually hoped to go to Uganda, right, some years back when that didn't quite work out as it turned out. But one of the things my brother used to say is uh, if you if you sermon on Sunday doesn't apply to me tomorrow when I'm in the thorn bush painting the outside of a house and, the, and some sweat coming down my face. Don't bother preaching it. <laughs> a little bit like that, but uh, that practicality means yeah. Yeah, obviously being a thing. So I had to ask you about your brother. Is your brother doing all right? He is doing well. Would well, you give him my regards? Will you? I will. I'll, I'll in advance. I'll give them right back to you. The People for People had name has popped up a couple times so far in our conversation today. Maybe it's a great way of talking about the practicality that you're not just going in the dirt in the doors on Sunday, hearing some good words to think about and leaving and being encouraged. But now, you, the, you know, People for People is a is obviously a very tangible way. Uh, the ministry over the years. Just share some for those who are you know just for the first time or maybe hearing out what is People for People. I've heard about. It. I don't really know what it is, but. Yeah. yeah, People for People is a nonprofit organization that I founded that is the social arm and faith-based arm of our church. Okay. And many of our ministries are, are, are wrapped up in the People for People movement. Um, obviously, with People for People, we have separate organizations. We have a community development corporation that, that deals with properties. We did a housing project with uh, uh, Sister Mary. And we built 55 one-bedroom apartments for the homeless. Wow. This is about a $19 million project. It's all done, and it's a beautiful project. It's right in our church community. Uh, we also have a charter school. That's a separate organization okay. called People for People Charter School, which serves about 600 students a year, K through 8. We have a People for mm. People Early Childhood Development Center, which is also separate, but it uh, services about 160 kids. Uh, I'm blessed to have my daughter running that 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 particular ministry. Amen. And then we have, of course, all the other People for People projects, including uh, some things that our church has branched off into in Chester, Pennsylvania. We have uh, the Frederick Douglass Christian School. Uh, in okay. Chester, Pennsylvania, that, that's our school. We run that school. Okay. Uh, and for those of you who know about Chester, you know that it's uh, one of the most challenging cities in the country and the most challenged city in the state of Pennsylvania. Mm-hmm. But we're there. Our ministry is there. And uh, we have uh, children, and you know, right now where the grades are K through 5, we're adding the 6th grade this year. Okay. And uh, we have something called um, a Grace Dental Clinic where people on Saturday can come and get free dental work. Really? Uh, I mean, these are the kinds of – anything that you can name from after-school programming to recidivism when guys get out of prisons, they want to – get back connected and stay out of trouble. We, we have federal programs, state programs, faith-based programs, and we've been doing this for a long time. My father, again, back to a legacy, as my son is, is constantly talking about, yes. which I think is very important. We, we, we support his program in every way because of the value, I think, of it. But my father, many years ago, uh, told me, build on these five principles and the world will come to you. Okay. And I said, Dad, what are they? Uh, and he says, "I'm get a pen. Hold on. <laughs> <laughs> Number one, don't allow anyone to beat you loving. Be a lover. God so loved the world he gave love, folks. Son, you were born in the South. 
You were born in segregation. You went to the colored bathroom. You went uh, to the back of the store. You had to sit up in the balcony when you went to the movies. You couldn't sit on the on the floor. You pick cotton, son. You got that stuff in your heart. Get it out. Don't let anybody beat you loving, son. Be a lover. Don't hate the beast so much you become the beast yourself. Number one, love. Wow. Number two, serve. You've been called to be a servant. So don't lord over people. Serve, folks. Don't let anyone outwork you. That's what he really meant. And then you got to be a prayer warrior. God said, call on me and I will ask. Don't let anybody beat you praying. Call on me and I will answer you and show you great and mighty things you know not of. Number four, yeah. serve. You're gonna, now you're going to be a giver. You got to give, son. You got to be a giver. You got to bleed. Well, if you're going to build a ministry, the first one that should bleed first is you. And so for the first two and a half years of Greater Exodus, I wasn't even on salary. I did what I had to do to keep that church going. And then last but not least, son, you're going to come up in a world where people don't believe nothing. He says, right now, we still believe Bible. He says, you're going to come up in an area where you're going to have to train people to believe all over again. You've got to trust God's word. You've got to be involved in theology more so than doxology. See, the people now imagine in doc, they want to praise, but they don't know who they're praising. He says, make sure that you have doctrine. And so those are the five principles under which I built my family. And look at this boy. Look at this man. I'm sorry, this man. Yes. Look at what he's doing. He's still your boy. But, but yeah. it's just based upon, yeah, you're my boy. He'll yeah. always based, your upon, boy. based upon those principles. Look look at what happened with the church and look at what only God knows where this, where this young man is going to go. Amen. But those principles were the beginning of it all. I love that. I love that. Folks just tuning in, you're going to want to get the podcast for sure. I, I'm, I'm ready to listen to it again already. <laughs> Herb Lust, the second and third, are in-studio guests. We get two for the price of none today, and uh, it's a priceless time to have, especially in conjunction with Father's Day. And uh, my mind's going 11 different directions as to how to follow up. I will say this for fun. Of course, and you mentioned a little while ago about uh, folks know you as an Eagles player, mm-hmm. and you, you were I guess, a running back for several seasons in the seventies with the with the Eagles. And I I learned with Gary Cobb recently, don't make a mistake when you're throwing numbers around because I had him on recently. And I said you played for the Eagles like nine, ten years. He goes eleven. <laughs> but we both had a good laugh. But um, what, one thing that might kind of tie in a little bit here too is uh, you know the story being. Uh, not the story, but to, to, for those who haven't haven't heard the whole knee on the end zone thing uh, after scoring a touchdown. Now you had how many? It was two rushing and one receiving. Mm-hmm. And isn't it something that even though the career is on the short side, and you can explain why God you know brought you out of that, that that whole thing was it the first time you scored or every time was it the first each yeah. and every time? Well, well, the, well, the praying in the end zone is what you're referring to. Yes, right. The dropping down a knee in, uh, in the end zone. Right. It really happened in college. Okay. It started in college. I had a serious knee operation my junior year, and I was not supposed to be playing football again. I came back. Not only did I come back, but I came. I became the second leading rush in the country. I rushed for 1,633 yards and scored 18 touchdowns in one season. All-American, and got drafted by the Eagles. So when I came back, when I wasn't supposed to come back, I kneeled down in the end zone 18 times. So I told the the press when I got drafted by the Eagles I'd played three years, quit, and go into the ministry. That was before I put on the Eagles uniform. I'm going to play three years, wow. and I'm going to quit. And so 
Uh, when I got a chance to play for the Eagles, I got a chance to kneel down three times, one in the middle end, 70-yard touchdown run. Uh, I still have a picture of that one in my office where I kneeled down, and everybody's looking at me. The referee's looking at me with his hands up, wondering what was I doing. But that was the first time any NFL player ever scored a touchdown and kneeled in the end zone. And by the way, uh, there are two specials that were shown on that. One, NFL Films. Steve Sable, before he died, did yeah. something on it. Yeah. And, uh, and, and, and then ESPN Films did something on, on this as well. I'm fortunate enough now to be the Eagles chaplain. So I've been working with the Eagles as their chaplain now for about 16 years. It's really a pleasure to still be in contact sure. with what the game that I once loved. And and to bring my son along, Master Herb, you do you you've done some of the yeah. some of the chapel services, haven't you? Yeah, yeah. So yeah. It's, it's a lot of fun. You mentioned that before you even suited up for the Eagles, you already had in mind three years and 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 heading into ministry yes. in a different way. Obviously, was there a, a point? Was there was there a, a main time where you felt the Lord was talking to you that this is what I want you to do? It's not a crazy like someone goes to college. They say I want to go to college because I don't need I don't want to go to school for many many years. I want to go do the degree and then I want to go work. So it, it's interesting to think that the player before they even get in, they just be glad to get in and let's take it from there. But what was it that you know? I, you know, it's a good question that you yeah. asked me because remember Uncle Bruce. Mm-hmm. I played football. I played junior college ball before I went to Long Beach State. I played two years with them. And when I was in junior college, Uncle Bruce tells my son. That your dad said to us, he's yeah. going to play. He's going to the NFL. He's going to play three years yeah. and quit and go into the ministry. I'm, yeah. I'm, that was when I was in junior college. And now, if you talk to him, he would say, "We wasn't concerned about whether he's going to make the pros because he was yeah. just that good." But this thing about quitting and going to <laughs> ministry—that we thought that was a complete <laughs> joke. Uh, I'm not sure, sure what what that was. I just felt like that God had been so good to me that I wanted to spend the rest of my life serving him. And that that was just, and so three years, I'm not sure how that came up, but, you know, if I'd said four years, I'd have got retirement for the Eagles, you know what I mean? <laughs> <laughs> if I played one more year, well, I'm looking at your stats, not to cause any kind of, uh, you know, reconsidering, but uh, 28 games, 113 rushes, 483 yards, 4.3 average, two TDs, 18 receptions, 221 yards, 12.3, and a touchdown. You put that together, and that's like, a, you know, a, $20 million contract every year. <laughs> Nowadays, it's like, uh, oh, man, yeah, he can catch, he can run. Yeah. A carry. Yeah. Well, yeah. And in the receptions, 12 point something as, <laughs> yeah. a, as a running back. That's yeah. high. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah, anyway. No, not to cause any regrets. Hey, no. did, <laughs> hey, you don't mind if I have that. You know, I, forget all, I, forget all, I didn't know I did all that. <laughs> Former Eagle and senior pastor at Greater Exodus Baptist Church, Herb Lust II, and his son, Herb Lust III, who hosts the Legacy Project, Saturdays at 2.30 on WFL in studio with us. Going to take a time out and come back with more on the Tim DeMoss Show on WFIL. Thanks for tuning in to the Tim DeMoss Show podcast with AM560 WFIL and WFIL.com. You're listening to the Tim DeMoss Show on WFIL as we keep things rolling. Herb Lust II and Third hanging out in studio. Herb II, senior pastor at Greater Exodus Baptist Church in Philadelphia, former Eagle, played in the 70s, and we were talking before the break about you taking a knee in the end zone, being the first NFL player to do that as far as offering a prayer after scoring a touchdown. It's just funny, I don't know if you've had people tell you this, 
when we used to play football in our backyard, we would always take a knee. Mm. My 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 uh, brother Steve and I, he called himself the Grecian Rifle because we're Greek. <laughs> <laughs> After Jaworski being the Polish rifle, my brother's like, the Grecian rifle strikes again. Incomplete. So, um, But when we would score, we'd need kneel and then we'd spin the ball or do something. You know, hey, man, well, they should have you guys on Wikipedia. <laughs> you, know? you know, you can edit that manually, right? We could throw ourselves in there. The demosis. But so here's maybe we could segue for a moment to, and I'll just put it out there. You know, there's obviously another kind of kneeling going on these days, right? Mm-hmm. And I don't know to, yeah. the, to the extent that uh, I don't presume to know anything or say anything when it comes to the topic of race. Uh, I actually would I just put the word out there and say, you say what you're thinking. Uh, obviously, Colin Kaepernick a few years back and, and was not well received, mm-hmm. per se, from the 49ers. Now it's become more of a swinging in the uh, understanding and even favorable in, in some thoughts. And maybe that's not, a, I don't know how important or not important that is, mm-hmm. but either if you, if you have thoughts I'm on gonna that. I'm going to take it first and I'm going to give it to my son. Good. Because, but the, what I want, because I'm going to say a little bit about it because when I first saw him kneeling, I, I didn't, it was very uncomfortable for me. I'm, I'm very patriotic. I love this country. Yeah. I've always stood uh, when the anthem was being sung. And, and to me, uh, since it was very disrespectful, but I wasn't listening. And I didn't, and I got to tell you, I did not understand. And it wasn't until I had this conversation with my son, and my son began to talk to me about other words in that anthem and began to talk to me about what he really meant when he was kneeling down, that it began to make sense to me. Hmm. So having said that, I'm going to give it to okay. my son. Yeah, Um <laughs> Yeah, I remember that conversation and it, it's interesting, but dad, I'm glad you said that because sometimes what people do is, is they don't, what you always tell me, you have to listen, um, to receive, not listen to react. When Colin was kneeling, um, he actually asked the military, he actually asked ex-military people. He said, what is the best way for me to protest, but not be disrespectful Hmm. and military veterans said, Colin, if you kneel down, you know, you don't have to throw anything up or anything like that, but just kneel down out of respect. That's, that's okay. And I would say that, you know, it is, it is transpired now, you know, obviously some people taking knees because of what happened um, to George Floyd. And that's an unfortunate situation. And I, and I said this, um, I was on a, cast with some of my friends um, a couple of days ago, this man up conference. And I said to them that it, it, it's important for us not to jump on what's popular at the moment. Mm. And God knows that I'm not trying to take anything away from what happened to George Floyd because sure. listen, I cried looking at that video. I was angry. I was upset and it took me a while to even, I mean, I had to pray. I had to say, God, I don't, I don't want to hate and I don't want to speak until I can speak in love. Um, because then you cause more division, right? When you do things like that. But I think what people have to understand is that it's us looking at the issue collectively. And, you know, me and my father have had this conversation, right? Not to throw any shade to the black lives matter movement. We understand, right? Black lives matter. I'm a black man. I get it. But as a Christian man, my identity is not just black, I'm a child of God, right? Yeah. So how I make black lives matter is I, I, I help them to undersee that their identity has to be in Christ. 
And if I can get them to see their identity in Christ, right? This is not just black man, it's black man, white man, orange man, whatever. If I can make your your identity in Christ, then you'll see your worth regardless of what the worth is from the world or from the public view. Um, so I think on this movement, we've kind of evolved, which is good. I don't want people to stop the protesting and the kneeling because I think it's important. But I think if we look at it in a collective manner, for instance, and my dad can write Black Lives Matter, right? One out of every two pregnancies is aborted in the black community, right? Black Lives Matter, right? As a black man, I got to look at that just as hard as I look at police brutality. For me, I believe they go hand in hand in making Black Lives Matter. Holistic approach. I mean, even black on black crime. I talk to my son about this all the time. If we were to solve police brutality and the murder death rate, uh, of blacks by policemen, we would have solved probably one percentile of one percent of a percentile of what our problem is. I mean, 99.9% of deaths in our community are black on black crime. And I don't want to minimize the one sure. and not yeah. talk about the other. I think the same passion yeah. for which we pursue one, we should pursue them all. And again, my son mentioned, and I'm so proud of him, young man who's pro-life, who understands the importance of life, mentioning the fact that one out of every two African-American babies are aborted in our country. These are issues that are important to us. And I I don't know whether I'm getting ahead of myself. Are you going to unveil this uh, at your (laughs) show or whatever? But we've been talking about what we really need to do. My son is getting ready to start an organization. Okay. It's called What God Says Matter. <laughs> okay, what then. What God Says Matter, which which really covers the scam. I let him talk. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Thanks, Dad. We were, we were talking the other night, and my dad preached this sermon about uh, Moses and his burning bush experience. And he talked about how, you know, Moses had came from the, the palace. Then, obviously, he ran was in Midian, was attending the Jephro's flock. Then all of a sudden he has this burning bush experience and his life changes forever. And what he was trying to capture was everybody in this life has some type of burning bush experience. And when you have it, you can't, you can't run from it. You have to accept the mantle that God is putting on you. So having said that, we're going to move forward with this idea of what God says matters. If we can continue to do what my dad has said, presenting the truth, right? Once again, the word of God, everybody wants to talk speaking, you know, truth to power and all these kind of things, but it has to be God's truth. And, you know, Mm -hmm. the word of God deals with all of these issues, right? It goes back to balance and not just jumping on one. And I think that's a lot of times why people are not heard and why experience are not actually received, because while we're talking, instead of us talking to each other we're yelling at each other so nobody can hear anything everybody's saying this is what the important thing is this is what the important thing is and somebody's raising their hand going no 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 this is what the important thing is everybody's saying no we need to speak to what's going on right now but okay we're dealing with what's now what happens six months now from now when something else comes up so do we forget about george floyd do we forget about covid19 you see what i'm saying like we, we you know all of those things and what god does is his ministry right it speaks to every age right it doesn't matter what age 
that you put the word of God in the age before me, the age before, before me, the age after me, the yep. age after, after me until he comes back. It's going to speak to that age. I, I remember my professor, um, shout out to, uh, Bishop Gillen, uh, Gillen. He said to me, you have to ask yourself this question. Is the word of God temporary or is it timeless? He said, because if you don't understand, he said, it's going to judge what your ministry is. And if the word of God is timeless, then it has to be said that what God says matters. Amen. So this is uh, folks just tuning in. Herb Lust II, senior pastor, greater Exodus Baptist Church, uh, former Eagle, and uh, I guess technically is it CEO of People for People? Would yes. That would be the right way to do it. And then other things we could throw in too, of course. Yeah. And, and Herb Lust III, who uh, among other things is hosting the program on Saturdays at 2.30, the Legacy Project on WFIL. So, so this endeavor got what God says matters. What God what says, God matters. says matters. Okay, yeah. so that's what is it exactly that with the thought process for now? Is that so, a- so what it's moving towards is really promoting change throughout the world through the gospel. What did um, the Word of God say? You know, God did not send His Son into the world to condemn the world, but through His Son, the world would be saved. We want to create an atmosphere where believers can march on injustices without it being convoluted in all these other issues yeah. that we don't necessarily agree with. Yeah. I mean, how I, I have, I have men uh, who support my work uh, and women who support my work in the suburbs, my white friends. And, and of course, probably my best friend in the world is a white guy by the name of uh, Jim Maxim, uh, who does a lot of work here, but he and I are very close friends. Mm-hmm. Give them something they can support. Give them something they can work with. Yeah. I mean, when you when you, when you look at the embryonic stage of Black Lives Matter, you find out how it's created and what they believe. We, we're Christians, yeah, <laughs> and we have to do things in a way that pleases God. Yeah, and I'm not downing Black Lives Matter. I march in some of the marches for specific things, but when we start talking about what God says matter, yeah. You're incorporating black people, white people, brown people, yeah. and we're staying focused and centered on what we've been called to do. That's that's why my son is creating this organization. I love yeah. that. Herb Lust II, former Eagle, senior pastor at Greater Exodus Baptist Church in Philadelphia, founder for People for People and many other things. And Herb Lust III, host of The Legacy Project, Saturdays at 2.30 on WFIL in studio. Quick break, back with more in a moment. Tim DeMoss Show on WFIL. Live and local, it's the Tim DeMoss Show, weekday afternoons 4 till 5 on AM 560 WFIL and at WFIL.com. Our podcast continues. AM 560 WFIL.com and on the app, Tim DeMoss Show rolling along with Herb Lust II, Senior Pastor at Greater Exodus Baptist Church in Philly, and Herb Lust III, host of The Legacy Project, Saturdays at 2.30 on WFIL. You gentlemen have heard of uh, John Perkins, by chance, I'm guessing? Yeah. I know John Well. Yeah. Do you know John Well? Okay. Yeah. He had, uh, I think in his book, I just wrote it down, um, from the book One Blood, he said, the truth is, and this gets back to a couple things you have been sharing. The truth is there's no black race, there's no white race, so the idea of racial reconciliation is false. It's a lie. The Human Genome Project discovered every human being is 99.9% identical in genetic makeup. Science has proven there is one race. The concept of black race and white race originate with the enemy himself. 
No, so we can get into you know all that, but yeah. but uh, 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 Dr. Alveda King was on the program with me not too long ago, and she said something similar. When people say what race are you, she she gives them like the Star Wars sign or Nano Nano or something like <laughs> like uh, are you Klingon or you whatever? <laughs> I'm part of the human race. She said that. So so now let's pause that for a second. Then we have a friend, a pastor in West Palm Beach. His name is Chris Tress. He just put on Facebook yesterday. He said he posted that quote from Dr. Perkins. Mm-hmm. who, among other things, has had, obviously, he's experienced all sorts of things. He was yeah. tortured in jail, and his yeah. brother was killed in Mississippi, yeah. many yeah. other things. He said, what if we look, this is Pastor Chris now, what if we looked at one another biblically? We all have the same ancestors, Genesis 5. We're all created in the image and likeness of God. Yeah. We're all fearfully and wonderfully made. We're all created a little lower than the heavenly beings and, and crowned with glory and honor. What if these truths were how we viewed people? What if we stopped working with the enemy by identifying ourselves by our level levels of melanin truth always produces freedom when you walk in it, which yeah. is what you were, you were both saying that earlier, right? Yeah. That, that, uh, and you were saying, that's what uh, Herb the second was saying, give them the truth. Don't yeah. water it down. Cause if there's one thing people want, even if they don't, won't say it, they really do want the truth. Yeah. Basically what you hear in Perkins and your friend, that's Acts 17. Twenty-six, and hath made one blood of all nations, all yeah. men on the face of the earth. We all came from one blood. I mean, that's basically what they're saying. That's a biblical truth. It's yeah. not a scientific truth. It yeah. didn't come from some scientists who had to get the test tube out. <laughs> yeah. It came from the Word of God. Yeah. <laughs> Again, I'll segue now to my son. No, that, that's yeah. great. I love that. Yeah. I mean, I I think that's the whole. That's the whole goal for this is to get people to see that. That's what people can't see. They don't want to receive that. And what racism actually teaches you is that you're not that. You got to hate them because they're not like you. You didn't come from the same blood. You didn't come from the same line. That That's what that teaches. It teaches I'm better than you. I'm something different. Yeah. One of the things that my other professor would say is that you have to be careful how you speak about another man or woman in God's image. Remember, you're speaking about something that is made in the image of God, someone who is made in God. So when you are speaking, when racism, prejudice, whatever it is, jealousy, unforgiveness, bitterness, uh, grudge holding, whatever it is, you're actually holding that against the image of God. So in actuality, you're actually holding that against God. So, you, you know what I mean? So <laughs> yeah. when you start when you start dealing with I'm better than this, what you're saying is, OK, God, I'm creating something different than what you've said, because you said, let us make man and our image and after our likeness. I'm saying, no, 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 I'm, I'm over here. They're over there. There's something else. So, I mean, moving mm. people to that. Right. Along with what my dad said. Dealing with those other justices, because let's be honest, listen, Jesus was a revolutionary. He was changing things, but it's a proper way to do it. My, and, position, my position on all this is this. I believe, ultimately, we're never going to be in a situation where people are not going to think race. Right. That's just not going to happen. Right. I mean, I, I, I like the idea, yeah, I, you know, I, but it ain't going to take place. Right. You know what I mean? So our eyes are going to tell us there's something different yeah. about us. But 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 here's, here's the deal for us, I think, son. Mm-hmm. The Bible is very clear. Things are not going to get better, guys. Yeah. Things are going to get worse. Yeah. The, 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 the issue is what do we do while it's getting worse? Yeah. What, what, we are what? The salt and we are the light. 
Yeah. Our job right now is to preserve this thing until Jesus comes. What do we do in the meantime? What we do in the meantime, we're preservers. We're, we're to season this world with love and with, with happiness and with peace. and with that. We're, we're seasoning things until he comes. We're preserving this until he comes. And when he comes, and I become Jesus, that's all I can say. <laughs> come, Jesus, come. I'm, I can't wait to be caught up. I, you know, I, I hope that I'm in that age when he comes that I'm alive so I can be caught up to meet him in the air. I, I, I want that. Hallelujah. You know, as a former eagle, they that wait upon the Lord shall renew their strength. This your mount, I want to mount up on wings <laughs> like eagles. Fly, eagles, fly. So our, job, so our job is to occupy yeah. until he comes. Yeah. I mean, that means some people are going to be changed. Yeah. Some some people who are racist are going to cease to be racist. Yeah. Uh, a lot of good things are going to happen in that. But this world is not going to get better. We're not evolving. Well, that's not what we're doing. I mean, that's what the scientists say we're doing. Yeah. By the way, I'm so tired of people saying, <laughs> I talked to a guy talking about science. And, and so we're talking about Corona. He says, well, um, I have to do what the scientists say <laughs> I must do. I say, okay, you must be a monkey too because that's what the scientists said. You <laughs> evolved from a monkey. I mean, listen, you have to think. Yeah. yeah. You have to think. And, and <laughs> what I've discovered is that we, listen, by the way, God is the God of omniscient. That, that's where we get the word science from. So he's a god of science. You know, the, the, he, when we talk about science, we're not talking about something yeah. other than God. I mean, science is true. I mean, the things that we see in the universe, he put them there. Right. So it's not like he's all of a sudden we're teaching God something, and God has come to uh, some place where he had to be tutored. <laughs> wow. Herb Lust the second and third in studio. Back with more in just a moment on Tim DeMoss Show on WFIL. Have a guest you'd like to hear on the Tim DeMoss Show on AM560 WFIL? Email D at WFIL.com. AM560 WFIL.com and on the app, it's the Tim DeMoss Show coming down the home stretch with Herb Lust II, Senior Pastor of Greater Exodus Baptist Church in Philadelphia, among many other roles, and uh, Herb Lust III, Legacy Project, Saturdays at 2.30 on WFIL. The word Philadelphia. Hmm. You take it from there. I think of a great city uh, that I fell in love with. I can remember the day I came to Philly. I was blessed to be able to come to Philly uh, at a time when it was the bicentennial year. I got drafted in 1976. And I was driving down Center City and the streets were painted red, white, and blue. And, And I looked up and I saw flags flying. And I went down to Independence Mall because they asked them where it was. I went there and stood there. And I knew that moment I would never. Now, listen, I came from Monterey, California. And if any of your listeners want to know where Monterey, <laughs> California is, it's about 17 miles east of heaven. It's a beautiful place. But I fell in love with Philadelphia and never went back. I've been in Philadelphia since 1976. I mean, I, I go back to visit, but that's it. I love this city. There's some tremendous people in this city. And when I say Philadelphia, we're talking about the Philadelphia area because you're talking about folk in Delaware. You're talking about people in South Jersey. You're talking about all the, the suburbs out here. Sure. It's, Philadelphia has been a marvelous experience for me. Also the challenges of it because I also fell in love with the challenges of making Philadelphia better. 
And yeah. I'd like to think that we we put a little dent in that you, well, with some of the work we're doing. And maybe this is just a good quick note with Greater Exodus. When you came in in the early 80s, things were not so good, right? And it took a good <laughs> chunk of the 80s to really turn things around. Yeah, well, you can, my son can tell you about that. We had buckets yeah. catching water. 15 buckets catching water from yeah. the ceiling. We had more buckets than we had parishioners. So, <laughs> yeah. and, uh, and, and, you know, oh, and, wow. and, and was, what's interesting about it, the friend was playing a practical joke on me. He said, you're going to love this church. I want you to go preach for me. So <laughs> I went there. I'm excited. I got to got no time to preach, you know. I'm 29 years old. I get there. I'm going to the sub in the, in the vestibule, and there was a mildew smell and water on the ground. It was raining that day. I got in the sanctuary, and, I mean, it was just pouring in there. There was about seven senior citizens. I preached. After I finished preaching, they said, you're interested in passing the church? I said to myself, I worry it wouldn't be this place. <laughs> you said it to yourself, yeah, right? Yeah, to myself. But I said, no, I'm, I'm a black Billy Graham. I'm going to be evangelizing all over the country. I'm just, just, I was traveling quite a bit. But I left out of there and saw right across the street Salvation Army. I saw this soup line of men. And I said, oh, my God, this place is horrible. I made the first turn I could on Brown Street, ran right in the middle of the Richard Allen Projects, pulled my car over. I didn't hear a voice. But, son, what I heard was the Holy Spirit saying to me, what better place to start a ministry than where there were great needs? And I turned my car around, went back, found the elderly deacon who asked me. I said, I'm interested if you're interested. They called me the same week on Thursday night. I got to the meeting. I said, okay, guys, tell me what's going on. Well, we got two mortgages. <laughs> we're in bankruptcy court. We have a $32,000 gas bill. We have $500,000 worth of structural damage to the building. Illinois says we got to get out of here. I said, well, how much money we got in the bank? They said, $300, Pastor. What are we going to do? <laughs> and how many members? Oh, 17 active members. They were all senior citizens. So thank God uh, that... Um, that uh, I came to Philadelphia. Thank God. And I'm still at that church now. And that church is very much alive, doing well, about 1,500 members and growing. And uh, all the ministries that I told you about, we even have a missionary in London. Yeah. We have a mission. We have missionaries in Mozambique, Malawi, Tanzania, but, but our, our ministry re- reaches out to Europe. Well, you know, Europe is pretty much <laughs> kind of throwing the towel on, on Christianity. A lot of people in Europe. So we've got a missionary over there. Amen. Wow. That's Herb's the second uh, take on uh, Philadelphia. Uh, we could keep going too, but yeah. Herb the third. How about you? The word Philadelphia. I, I would. I would just say opportunity for what my dad. I mean, he took that chance those years ago, right? So now there are new challenges, um, and it's uh, it's it's an opportunity. There are new challenges, and one thing that I don't like that people do about Philadelphia is they. They beat Philadelphia up so bad. They mention all the negative things, and they don't mention that it's one of the most culturally diverse cities in the world. It has some of the best schools in the world, Masterman Central, uh, some of the other great high schools and uh, charter schools and other public schools that are that are there. Everybody mentions the bad, right? We don't talk colleges. about yeah colleges. So I would say opportunity. I love that word. And can give... The mantra, right? What's our mantra? Brotherly love, right? Why don't we be the example for brotherly love? For the world. It's been a real blessing having you both in today. And uh, we hope that we do get a chance to, to do it again. Happy Father's Day. Yeah. Happy Father's Day to you. Happy Father's Day. And to your listeners. Yeah. Thank you so much. Herb Lust II and third on the Tim DeMoss Show on WFIL. 
Thanks for listening to the Tim DeMoss Show podcast. Feel free to tune in to the full show each weekday afternoon from 4 to 5 on AM 560 WFIL and at WFIL.com. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.